What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Varsity Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Guevara. And with me, as always, is Mr. Lupe Ramirez. And we are 11 weeks completed through the football season, uh, getting ready to wrap up the final game for the 2A and 3A teams, as well as we have entered an amazing week of football. We have a lot in store for you guys uh, this episode. But before we get things going, I know uh, you had wanted to bring out something different this week and something we've never done before, which was talk about some swag that pertains to all 12 teams and their jerseys. So uh, why don't you uh, let everybody know what exactly you're talking about there? Yeah, so what I thought about last week was getting all the information that we have right now of what these teams are wearing this year and try to narrow down my top 10 jerseys. Now, it was really hard because we were doing this last week. And as I was doing it, there were so many edits that I had to make. And I, I got a couple of honorable mentions, I got to admit. Um, one being the ALA Ironwood Warriors gray jerseys. Those things are really clean. Two, I know this might be hit or miss, but Apache Junction's Junction Boys, the ones that are camo. I don't know. Something about that I really dig. And this being episode 31, this is the Matrix episode to me. And I would kill to have a Raptors camo jersey that was Sean Marion. But I know that's totally off topic. But And then my final honorable mention is the Santa Cruz white jerseys. There's just something so appealing to me about that clean white look with the red accents. And you'll see why... Uh, I ended up going with my list. So without further ado, number 10 on my list is the Rams black and red. The one with the black jersey and the red lettering is just so clean. Number nine on my list, staying with that black and red look, is the Combs Coyotes. Those red. Those are nice. Yeah, especially the way it's so bold, the the, the Combs lettering on the chest and, and the little uh, designs on the shoulder. I think those are really clean. Number eight is the Santa Cruz home jerseys that are red and white. Those ones are super clean. When they were wearing them last year, I really liked them as well. Number seven is the Post and Butte blue jerseys. I on See, on this one, I had a back and forth because I was thinking gray, I was thinking white, and then you're like, ah, it's, your, it's, it's your list, go with whatever you want. And then I was looking at it, I was like, damn, those blue ones look really clean. All right, and moving on, let's go into number six. I have Apache Junction with their black and gold jerseys. Um, I think it was a photo that uh, Dave Navarro had taken and, and shout out to Nav6 Photography um, of them standing in line and you get to see the captains wearing, you know, their jerseys with the little captain patch on them. And I was like, man, those jerseys are so clean. I, I, I immediately fell in love with them. And going into number five, Santan Foothills black and blue jerseys. Like I said, that the simplicity of them is just mm, chef's kiss. Number four, speaking of simplicity, you can't get any more simpler but more beautiful than this. The Coolidge Bears all blue Jordan jerseys, so clean. A little bit of red outlines, but the blue and the the elephant print on the shoulders, I, I really like that. And then number three would be the Casagrande Cougars new black and gold uniforms, the one that has the blue outline on the inside. Yeah, yeah when those I, were nice. And when I, I'm not even going to lie, when I first saw them, I kind of didn't like the fact that there was an outline in the middle of them. But now that I, I look at it a little bit closer, if those outlines weren't there, it would just mirror something like an uh, Oregon jersey. So yeah, I'm kind of glad they went the way they did with those jerseys. Now, number two, 
Sequoia Pathways black and yellow jerseys. Those with the little hints of purple that they have. It was really tough to not choose that as my number one because <laughs> when I see those jerseys, I automatically like just get so drawn to them. And even when we're making graphics for them, putting those colors together, I'm like, damn, this is probably one of my best designs ever. But all right, my number one jersey in Pinal County, and you and you can get in the comments uh, about this and, and 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 we can go back and forth on this. The Vista Grande white jerseys are just so <laughs> clean. And, and we talked about this too, because you're yep. like, not the black ones. And and the Listen. the difference that I see in them is not just the negativity in color, but the way that it spells Vista Grande compared to the way it spells Spartan on the black ones. I just think it looks so much better. Yeah, you know, we definitely uh, did go back and forth uh, on those jerseys. You know, I definitely like... Uh, the gold ones, I won't say where I would put them on my list just yet. But, you know, it's a very good list. You know, I think mine, I would have them uh, in a couple of different spots. You know, especially a team that reps black and yellow. We all know what my NFL team is, you know. So, I'm How are they say. doing? <laughs> it's a transition year. Now, um, but I, I definitely, you know, respect that list. Now, is there a color combination of a team that, doesn't have this color on their jersey but you would love to one day down the road maybe see a team put a certain color scheme together to come out with a different jersey a different color scheme one thing that i would love to see um is coolidge get some new jerseys and in their new jerseys a red alternate would be so clean um, I know it's kind of kind of like U of A. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like the way they have their uh, football jerseys. If you look closely at their white away jerseys, the the ones that they kind of pretty much share with uh, the JV and their styling, they look pretty similar to U of A jerseys as well, or or, or uh, a call back to a, a jersey style that they had a couple of years ago. Um, so it it wouldn't be too far out of their realm to to co- to mirror or copycat the Wildcats jersey. So. Yeah, a red one would be nice. One thing that I'll admit, and I know I'm going to probably get some some flack for this, is I saw that Vista Grande had red jerseys on a couple weeks ago, and to me, it, it, it just clashed totally. I didn't I didn't know if it was red or if it was just a really off shade of pink. And, oh, it was red. And and you had a, a quite a different approach to it. You thought it was really nice, right? Yeah, it, I mean, I've seen that color scheme, uh, I believe, for a indoor football league uh i can't uh, pinpoint the team it might be uh one of the teams that cody barber was on the barnstormers the barnstormers it was kind of like that that scheme so i've seen it before and i kind of appreciated that a team you know took that on and if you see uh vista grande's new football hats they have like a little uh stream uh going down uh a part of the hat where they do incorporate that red so you're starting to see it a little bit more and it, it kind of brought a different approach to uh those jerseys i mean you see how many different oregon ducks uniforms do you see that don't really go with their color schemes but they try something different and it seems to pan out so that's why i enjoyed it because it was something i'd never seen a team incorporate a new color kind of almost what you uh, would always talk about between santan foothills and their their blue and purple you weren't really sure what was the main color so mm-hmm. that's what i appreciated about it I do uh, respect your list. Uh, what we'll do is 
you know, maybe we'll wait till I put out my list uh, next week. And then, you know, we'll put both of them out there uh, for people to see. And a lot of people have their opinions on which one would be the best. And, uh, you know, so I would like to see what some of those answers would be. Yeah, everybody's style is different. And that's what I love about this county. But let's take this time to uh, dive into our recap uh, from week 10. As uh, we had some good games uh, going on, we had games going on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so it was a pretty busy week. Uh, on Thursday, uh, Apache Junction defeated Snowflake 31-10, to uh, knocking off, I believe at the time, the number three team in uh, 4A, picking up a big victory against a very good Snowflake team. I mean, this was a team that came up from 3A and started making their name known in the 4A division, and it was good to see Apache Junction pick up that game. Uh, but moving into uh, Friday, you had Florence uh, defeating ALA Ironwood pretty decisively, uh, 51-13. to I know it was a game that you wanted to see uh, ALA Ironwood pick up the victory, but Florence proved to be too much to another team that was struggling, and they took advantage of that, pretty much ran away with that game. You got any thoughts uh, you want to put in before we move on to the next game? I see you shaking your head, so I already know the answer to that one. Uh, But, you know, like I said, I think that Florence needed that Odyssey uh, Institute game to get things back into uh, what we've seen them do all year long. And they proved to be that team that we saw go on that six-game win streak before their first loss of the season. Moving into uh, Camelback, uh, they uh, visited uh, Maricopa and defeated the Rams 18-7. to But this game doesn't talk about how great uh, Maricopa played. You know, they were winning 7-6 to at halftime, I believe, correct? Yeah, they were up. And, you know, we finally were sitting there like, could this be that moment? And unfortunately, the second half, which has seemed to do that uh, multiple times in the last few weeks for Maricopa, uh, they just couldn't hang on to the lead and ultimately drop their seventh straight loss. But I think that they're still improving each week. And I know that they're maybe not this upcoming game, but uh, the following games, their last two games might be a chance for them to uh, pick up a victory before the end of the season. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. It, it it sucks, like you say, because when you look at the finals, it's like, man, did they even try? But again, it, it's it's been the constant storyline for the Maricopa Rams is they're ahead at halftime. Something happens in the middle of the third quarter where they lose their footing and they ultimately lose. It, it's a sad story, but I feel like they might have an opportunity like Santan Foothills did last year, where they ended up surprising everybody, beating a team that they were, you know, scheduled to lose not necessarily scheduled to lose to but predicted to be the losing team yeah you know and anything's possible and I think Maricopa as long as they continue to progress you might see them pick one up by the end of the season I definitely believe that uh, but let's move on into uh, Eastmark hosting the Coolidge Bears and defeating the Bears 56 to 6 kind of ruining uh, Gianni's uh, homecoming return uh, back to Eastmark were you surprised by this score at all now a little bit if i say no i wasn't surprised it would make me sound like oh man he really wasn't rooting for the bears at all but i i was i was hoping that maybe gianni would be able to take a little bit of the knowledge that he had from prior years there and kind of just use that to decimate the the eastmark firebirds before they can even gain an advantage on him but something happened where uh it just didn't click. I don't know if it was the amount of time that he spent on the sidelines and, and the things they did in between to prepare him to, for his return. But 
Yeah, like I had mentioned in the post, it, it wasn't a glorious return. It was definitely a, a, an egregious return, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of those boys on that team were not happy with the outcome. Oh, definitely not. And and we've seen Eastmark do this to numerous teams. Coolidge is, uh, you know, not the first one. It's happened to Sabino. It's happened to Florence. And it, that, that just shows how good of a team Eastmark is and why they are one of the top two teams in 3A. Now, the only team that they didn't do that to is Thatcher. And that's a team that's just really scary, bro. Like, they just jumped up. And I think they might have to wait another year before they jump up again. Uh, it's like every couple of years. Now, if you had the choice, would you keep them in 3A or would you bump them up to 4A? I mean, that's a tough call. It's about how much they're going to return next year and how much depth that they have. We've noticed that in the 4A and 5A uh, divisions, you have to have a lot of depth in order to be able to go uh, far in those uh, divisions. So I, as of right now, I want them to win a state championship first before you can sit there and say that they can go up to the next level and compete with those guys. Not saying that they can't, but you never know. It'll be something to keep our eye on when the playoffs start uh, for the uh, 3A uh, division. Uh, but let's keep things rolling. Uh, so we had uh, Horizon uh, defeating Casa Grande 27 to 13, extending Casa Grande's losing streak to four games now. Were you satisfied with the effort from Casa Grande? Because this seemed like a game that was still pretty close uh, throughout, and they were able to kind of get things going, maybe not as much as they wanted to, but kind of got things going on the offensive end and still kept things within striking distance. I mean, they weren't behind much at all throughout the game. It was a very close game. Do you think that this was the game that Casa Grande needed to to be competitive as the season nears uh, its end? Okay, and to try to answer your questions in order, satisfied? Satisfied is a tough word. I wasn't really satisfied with the effort they put in. Um, I was pleased with the amount of points that they were able to put up on Horizon, but I think that satisfaction would have only came if they picked up a victory. Um, based off of the way it looked like throughout the game when we were keeping up with it, this was definitely a winnable game for Casa Grande. Just something isn't clicking. And we read up a little bit on Pinal Central about how Coach Luna had spoke with their reporters. And he mentioned their problems with discipline, or, or if you want to put it in, in, in honest terms, that their penalty problems and how they need to keep growing from that. But I think this far into the season you can't necessarily say well we still need to fix that because there's not many games that you have left to fix that well i don't know because how many games did we say that about college throughout the year you know it's not something that can be fixed overnight it can you know but those players have to buy into fixing those issues, you know, and not picking up the dumb penalties. How many times throughout Coolidge's season did we say that discipline was their biggest flaw on that team? Because you'd see them make a great play and get penalized for it because they decided to flex on a guy or stare him down or, you know, something that the team didn't need at that time i mean you see some teams that sometimes don't get it fixed right away it could be numerous things that you know are the reason why sometimes you get into that moment where you're not thinking straight even though you should be at all times but it's just that excitement and that adrenaline that's flowing you might not think that you're going to get penalized for this and you do you know but yeah it's definitely something that needs to be cleaned up for them of course we hold Casa Grande to a high standard when it comes to them being competitive throughout uh, each game 
But I think for Casa Grande, they needed a small victory this week. They kept the game close. It was actually competitive. They haven't had that for, what, the last four weeks, three, four weeks uh, since their losing streak has started. You know, so for them to be competitive, I think that's a small victory where you can say they can carry that into the next week if they're able to clean up uh, the things that Coach Luna mentioned. I think they can. The team that they're playing this week in Mesquite, it's not the same caliber of team that they had faced in the playoffs a couple of years ago. So this is a must win for Casa Grande. This isn't one of the games where we're like, oh, well, we hope they win. No, you guys have to win this game. This isn't something where you'll be like, well, we'll try our best. No, don't. There is no try. Only do. And if you guys are Star Wars fans, I, I hope you guys got goosebumps hearing that because you have to do this. This isn't something you have to try to do. Mesquite is a team that w- was bragging a couple years ago for being able to knock you out of the playoffs. Prove them wrong. Make sure on your way home that you guys are happy, you guys are loud, you guys are proud because you are right back on winning track. And that's exactly what I see happening for the Cougars this Friday. No, I definitely couldn't have said it any better. Uh, but let's move into uh, our next game, which is Marcos Denise uh, squeaking by the Combs Coyotes, winning 35-28. to 28. And there was a point in time where I turned to you and I was like, Combs might actually do it. I believe at that time it was 21 to 7 at that moment. And going into the end of the third quarter, Combs was still in the lead. And, you know, but unfortunately, uh, Marcos Denise battled back and uh, picked up the victory, but you got to give all that respect to Combs because they could have knocked off what is now the number three team in uh, 4A, and Combs has been like that all year long. These teams that somehow people think that Combs is going to lose to, they keep it so close and so competitive. You'll see why Combs is where they rank uh, You know, at this point in the season because I know I, I definitely didn't have them ranked this high. Uh, in the 4A uh, uh, division, but they're proving a lot of people wrong, and that victory would have just been the icing on the cake for them because they would have been one of the front runners to uh, win their region. I definitely am excited to see how they finish off their season because they've been in almost every single ball game that they've played. Yeah, Combs is definitely proven to be way more than just a middle-of-the-road team. They are doing very well this season, and it was unfortunate to see that they did lose to Marcus Deniza because we were actually hoping that they would be the team that actually handed them their first loss. And if it wasn't for the excitement of the game that we were at, we would have actually been able to keep up with it and maybe have an idea of what caused that loss. Mm-hmm. But uh, th- there's there's no doubting Marcos Deniza. We've actually seen their progression through this season. And, and the best thing is actually seeing their growth on social media. And the attitude and excitement that they have around that program has been well needed for a long time. And and even though they're not in our county, I'm happy to see that the Padres are doing good this year. Were you happy to see that message that we got uh, after that game? I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot which player it was, but they said, oh, so much for us losing. And and you told them it almost happened. But hey, you know, congratulations on 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 a, on a good win. It, it, it's been that kind of year where we don't necessarily realize how much of an impact our opinion has on how some of these players perform. And when they hear about us cheering against them, 
they get that inner satisfaction of like, oh man, I can't wait to message them. I can't wait to to see them and ask them like, hey, is this what you expected? And I think that's probably like the most common question we get asked at the end of a game. And to be honest, it's never what we expect because sometimes things are really exciting and that's how and that's how our last week was. But we'll get into that later. But yeah, Marcos Deniza, they 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 pretty much locked down their region championship and i'm pretty excited uh, to not 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 quite not quite who's left uh they got to play uh i think az college prep so and uh that that's another team that's a team that was uh actually being considered for the open eight you know it's not it's not wrapped up yet but you know uh let, let's not get too far off track here um Let's move into our next game, which is the Santan Foothills uh, Sabercats uh, defeating the Bisbee Pumas 33-14 to and extending their win streak to four games in a row. And actually, the Sabercats did something not usually in their game plan on the offensive end, which was score through the air. Uh, young Dalton Norman, uh, I believe, uh, went five for six with 180 yards and three touchdowns. So definitely a surprise to see that stat line coming from the Sabercats because they're a run-heavy team. We know that the young freshman took advantage of his opportunities and helped uh, the Sabercats uh, pull away in this game. Yeah, they're primarily known as a running team because when you look at their backfield, they have an amazing list of talent. But Dalton Norman, I mean, the freshman started looking like a phenom out there. He didn't even have to do too much work after that because he could allow his run game to to flow freely. It was a great game for the Sabercats. And at the end of it, to find how well they did and and for them to get four in a row this season, I I couldn't be any happier for our team in blue. Oh, me neither. And it's going to set up for a great uh, season-ending showdown. But we're going to save that for uh, the end of the episode. But before we go, I want to give a special congratulations to Eli Fields for winning the Max Preps overall player of the game. And I know everybody on your team was excited. And not only everybody on your team, but your mom was pretty excited too. And she couldn't wait to share the news with us when she found out that you had got those honors. So congratulations, Eli. But moving on into our next game, which was the Post and Butte Broncos defeating the Benjamin Franklin uh, Chargers 40-13. to and uh, once again, uh, showing that Post and Butte is still, you know, despite the two uh, losses they have on the season, they are still one of the top teams in 4A and are looking strong to make a big playoff push again. And they couldn't be heating up at the right time. No, this is exactly where they needed to turn up that heat, like you said. Post and Butte took care of the Chargers very easily. And this is the type of momentum they need, you know, to go towards the end of the season to make it further into the playoffs. If if I remember right, we actually kind of picked this team to be a 4A state champion. I'm still on that boat. I'm not going to jump off that bandwagon just yet. The Broncos haven't necessarily given me any type of inclination that they're on their way down. They're com- they're continually improving and I I I can't wait for the playoffs to start. I know it's just a couple weeks away, but the the toughest part is trying to figure out what games we're going to go to. Well, I do know that 2A and 3A will end their season uh, this Friday. And our two teams in 2A are trying to make that last push to uh, make a playoff run. Uh, but uh, you had the Santa Cruz Dust Devils defeating the San Pasqual Valley Warriors 62-0, to extending their win streak to five in a row. 
This is a game where you saw the Warriors uh, forfeit into the fourth quarter as it was already 62-0 to zero by the end of the third quarter. We knew what type of game this was going to be. I mean, there was a reason. We had given the Warriors pretty much no chance to win this game. Uh, did you expect uh, Santa Cruz to put up 62 or was that actually a surprise for you? No, it wasn't a surprise to me. The final score is what I expected after four quarters. What was a complete and total surprise to me was San Pasquale waved the white flag. They gave up in the fourth quarter. I want to know what type of attitude and demeanor did the Dust Devils have in that game to have San Pasquale just give up? Well, you've seen that from a lot of teams this year. Uh, you know, you can go into Santa Rita, Catalina, uh, even Paula Verde, who has beat a couple of those teams. You know, when a team is, is that bad, anybody can do that to them, you know. Uh, so it's just a lot of growing pains through those programs where they're not being able to be competitive. And, you know, I don't, I don't know what that means going forward if those teams, you know, need to go down another level you know i know i've talked to uh, chris kidney about this many times that maybe some of those programs are too small that they can't compete even at a 2A level and they need to drop down maybe to an eight-man program or or you know even uh down to the caa but at the same time those teams are uh just as competitive as well so i, I don't really know what the answer is to why these teams are not competitive other than how many kids are going out for that program. And if you can't build a winning culture, it's definitely tough to uh, build a winning program, no matter how much talent you have. Uh, but let's go into our other two-way game. You know, it was just that smash mouth football, only 21 total points put up uh, through the whole game. But Gilbert Christian uh, defeated Sequoia Pathway, winning 14-7 to and sealing up the two-way Gila uh, region and essentially becoming uh, region champions as well. So a tough loss uh, for Sequoia Pathway. I know that that would have definitely helped uh, their power rankings uh, with uh, picking up that victory. Unfortunately, uh, they came up a little bit short, but I know um, reading about what Coach D said about the game, he was not disappointed about the effort in his players. Uh, he did give uh, a lot of praise to uh, the Knights and, you know, the type of fight that they put up. It's just been that season for Sequoia Pathway where I don't know if it's the the inexperience this year compared to last year where they were senior heavy, but they're not far off from being region champions. No, they're not. The, the thing that we kind of expected in the beginning of the year is for them to not lose momentum even they even though they did lose all those seniors they are a young team this isn't quite a rebuild year because there's not a lot of question marks everywhere like who you know who's going to be our go-to in and the receiver spot who's going to be our running back who's going you know you know those type of questions it's just a matter of 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 them gaining the experience they a lot of them they probably played in years prior and in other programs but they they're not used to this type of competitiveness and and to have that type of stacked team where you have plenty of talent around you and you you need to work hard to keep your spot. And them being in 2A right now, it, it's really good for them, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them win not only a region championship soon, a state championship, and possibly move up from 2 to 3A. You think they're ready for that yet? I mean, let, let, let's get the state championship first. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like I said, yeah. let's get that first. And then, then it'll ultimately prove that they need to move up. Well, let's dive into our game of the week, which saw Vista Grande uh, defeating 
the Empire Ravens 40-14 to and extending their win streak to six games in a row. And of course, we all know that that's the longest win streak in school history. And they are still on that prove you wrong type of season because that's one of the things I uh, heard Coach Roberts preach a lot after the game is that we're here to prove everybody wrong in the entire state, not just the county, but the entire state as to what happened. What happened to this team after that week two loss against Florence? You know, what did you see Friday night and what has you excited uh, going forward for the Spartans? What I saw that Friday night was beautiful. I saw a group of young men that were focused on the game. And what was good was a, a lot of them knew we were coming. But when we were on the sideline, it wasn't a distraction. They stayed focused throughout the entire game. It wasn't until late in the fourth quarter when you know they had realized that they had created a big enough separation where they were like, hey, let's take some photos. Like You guys are here for a reason. Let's take some photos. And, and they had a great time seeing them after the win and how they were able to celebrate and the pure joy on some of those players' faces of, of being able to, to be a part of this history-making team. I couldn't be any happier for the, the Spartans. And this was something that I was hoping for when I found out that they were going to be in the region they were in. And like Coach Robert said, this is their second year being a winning team. And they've improved vastly from the year before. Now, I'm only curious to see if they make it into the playoffs and the AIA recognizes them for the great team that they are, how far in the playoffs will they get? And if they do make it into the playoffs, what kind of team will they be dealt in the first round? Well, I think they'll get their first taste of playoff action come this Friday because they have a tough region opponent this week, and it's going to determine a lot of things for the Vista Grande Spartans going forward. Uh, but let's uh, look at the rankings as they currently sit with the AIA. Uh, we're going to start in two-way. Uh, you got Sequoia Pathway. Uh, with that loss, they dropped down to 19 and Santa Cruz is kind of still in that 22-23 mark. They sit at 23 currently. So as of right now, both teams are kind of on the outside looking in. Going to need a lot of help uh, this week to try to crack uh, one of those top 16 spots. And unfortunately for one of those teams, they're going to take a loss this week. But we'll talk about that one uh, when we talk about these upcoming matchups. In the 3A, you have Florence sitting at 9 Santan Foothills at 12, Coolidge at 25, and ALA Ironwood at 33. So the two teams you still got alive uh, in Pinal County for the 3A division is Florence and Santan Foothills. And regardless of the outcome uh, this Friday, they are both almost guaranteed locks to make the playoffs, which is going to be exciting for uh, the Santan Valley and Florence uh, area as uh, both teams did not make the playoffs last year. But definitely have a shot at being in that picture this year in the 4a uh, division you have post and butte moving up to five apache junction at six with that victory over snowflake uh combs uh only dropping down to 17 and then vista grande uh sitting at 21 i think they dropped a spot uh even though they picked up a victory this past friday so uh definitely a, a little bit of work that needs to be done from uh combs and vista grande Two teams that got to pick up a, a victory this week to kind of stay in that running uh, in the 4A division. And in the 5A division, you have Casa Grande at 16 and Maricopa at 43. So even though uh, Casa Grande has lost four in a row, 
They're still sitting in the top 16 uh, for uh, playoff teams. So a must, must win uh, for uh, Casagrande this Friday in order to try and improve their ranking in that 5A division because it's we know how tough it's going to get. And we can't uh, forget to take into consideration how many teams are possibly uh, being looked at to make it to the open eight. If that's the case, it's definitely going to improve the chances for Casagrande to make the playoffs. Uh, but let's dive into our upcoming matchups this Friday. We have an amazing lineup this week. And let me tell you, it was one of the toughest weeks to choose a game because uh, there's so many good games going on. And there's a lot to play for, you know, for at least five or six of our teams, you know, whether that's seeding, whether that's, you know, region play uh, for a region championship or just, you know, bragging rights from a rivalry you know there's a couple rivalries going on as well but our first matchup is going to take place on thursday as we'll have uh casa Grande traveling down to mesquite uh casa Grande's currently sitting at three and four on the season and like i just said number 16 in the 5a division uh while mesquite is one and six surprisingly and currently number 34 i know we uh spoke about casa Grande, uh, earlier in the show do you feel that this may be the game that they uh, finally snapped that four-game losing streak? Yeah, I know I've said this in, in plenty of weeks prior, but this is the game they need to snap that losing streak and get back to their winning ways. Casa Grande isn't used to losing like this, so I expect them to make some big changes. Yeah, I would agree. I think this is the game that Casa Grande is going to put things together. I mean, you have two teams that are struggling and in desperate need of a victory. And I think uh, with Casa Grande knowing that they're still in the hunt, you know, they still have a lot to play for and a potential uh, playoff spot on the line. They're going to go all out and give it their best. And I think that they snapped that uh, four game losing streak as well. I do, too. Now, you talked about earlier about all the implications that are being played for. One thing that you did leave out was pride. Now, this next game is all about pride. Number 25 in the 3A, the Coolidge Bears, who are 3-6, and six, are playing the ALA Ironwood Warriors in Santan, who are 1-7. and seven. Now, this game, it could go either way. I, I feel with it being a home game for ALA, the possibility of them winning is slightly larger than the Bears actually winning. What do you think? I think it's going to be a good fight. Uh, no matter what the outcome is. Um, but I will actually give the edge to the Bears. Okay. I think that their past two games against Thatcher and Eastmark were ones that they took a beating on. You know, they even though uh, they gave their best effort, they don't want that to be, you know, the lasting impression of their season. I feel that they're going to go out and try to leave it all out on the field and you know, let the results uh, speak for itself. So I'm going to give uh, the Bears the edge on this one. You know what? I'm going to give the Bears the edge on that one too. All right, let's talk about a 4A matchup. The Central Bobcats, who are 6-1 and one right now, will face the Maricopa Rams, who are still winless 0-7. Now this is a matchup between number 12 in 5A and number 43. Who do you see coming out on top? I mean, as much as I will root and go for the Rams, um, I got to give central their respects i mean they're number 12 for a reason they gave casa Grande a great run uh you know during the third game of the season and was the only loss that they have is to casa Grande. i just think that central is one of those uh contending playoff teams that are going to be unfortunately a little too tough uh for the rams to handle what about yourself i have to agree i i'm gonna cheer maricopa all the way through 
but I think that the Bobcats have this one. Jumping into a 4A matchup, the number 17 ranked Combs Coyotes, who are 4-3, and three, will play Seton Catholic, who is currently ranked number 31, but is sitting at 2-5. and five. This isn't something that we're used to seeing, especially from Seton Catholic, but I think this is actually going to be an easy win for the Combs Coyotes this week. I think so as well. You know, the Coyotes are playing for a lot. They're playing for a playoff spot, trying to crack that uh, top 16 rankings. Uh, So they're not going to take this team lightly. I think that they're going to go out there and take care of business and uh, shut out the Sentinels and win pretty decisively. Because I feel, you know, what what they did against Marcos Deniza and almost pulling that that victory out against a top five uh, 4A team. I can only imagine how much uh, how much effort they're going to put into this game to try to keep their playoff hopes alive. All right, let's move into a really good rivalry match. This Friday, the 5-3 and three Santa Cruz Dust Devils will welcome the 4-5 and five Sequoia Pathway Pumas for what is most likely going to be a game that will not disappoint. It's going to be a battle between uh, two underrated uh, 2A teams. No matter who picks up this victory, I don't know if either team will have a chance to make the playoffs. You know, I think that Santa Cruz with the victories they've had over uh, this five game stretch is just not showing to be strong enough or surprise the AIA in a way to give them any kind of respect uh, when it comes to uh, where they're ranked. Uh, Sequoia Pathway, I mean, they had a forfeit a game that they blew the team out, you know, so that definitely hurt. A couple of losses uh, when they were a little shorthanded proved to hurt them in in the long run, you know. So uh, definitely going to be a good matchup, but I'm going to let you pick first on this one. Who do you give the edge to and why? Now, there's a lot of silence between this and that question, and it's mainly because I don't know. And and it's been like that the past couple of years. I, I want to say that the talent on Santa Cruz is just about as equal as the talent on Sequoia Pathway. Now, the only thing that I'm doubting or not necessarily doubting but worried about on Santa Cruz is that physical toughness. Sequoia Pathway comes out and plays hard every game. And and I'm by no means am I calling the Santa Cruz Dust Devils soft, but if they want to win this home game, they need to play lights out football and have thick skin. They can't go in there allowing penalties to dictate the outcome of this game. Who are you picking, though? The Dust Devils. Okay, okay. Well, I'll respect that one. Um, I'm actually going to just make it fun, you know, because I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, this game could go either way. Uh, both teams have a lot to play for, you know, if not just trying to get a win at the end of the season or, you know, Santa Cruz extending that win streak uh, to six games, which they can carry into next year if uh, they don't make the playoffs. Uh, so I'll, I'll go with Sequoia Pathway. You know, because like I said, I have respect for both teams and what they've accomplished this year. Uh, With this one, I'll I'll go with Sequoia Pathway just to make it fun. All right. I like it. All right. Let's move into the final four games that we have. And when we told you at the beginning of the episode that there's a lot to play for, this is what we mean right here. So you have Apache Junction uh, taking on ALA Gilbert North. The prospectors uh, sit at five and two, as well as the Eagles, ALA Gilbert North is number one in 4A. It's going to be a great game uh, in this matchup. Can Apache Junction knock off another top five team in this 4A division? Yes, they can. I have full belief in the prospectors in this week. It's not going to be an easy one. It's not going to be uh, a game where 
they can take their opponent lightly. It's going to be a battle, but I got AJ's back. Okay, well, ALA Gilbert North's uh, losses are to ALA Queen Creek, which they dropped 40 to 19. And then uh, surprisingly, they got beat by Eastmark 36 to 33. But something tells me, you know, that Apache Junction has gotten things going since that loss to Post and Butte. You know, they could have came out really flat, uh, you know, on six days rest to take on Snowflake, uh, but they only held that team to 10 points. And I think that if Apache Junction can keep this a low-scoring game, I have them coming out with the victory. I know that AJ uh, has a very good defense. Uh, we, we've seen that on display. Uh, their offense uh, can be very dangerous. And I don't know, it's just something that tells me that LA Gilbert North is a very good team. Don't get me wrong. They're they're one of the top teams in the state of Arizona. But at the same time, it's not that same team that we kind of saw last year. They're a little bit more beatable this year where last year was like, man, I don't know who's going to beat this team. You know, uh, whether they're in the open division or if they're uh, still in the uh, 4A division. But either way it goes, I have something telling me that Apache Junction is going to sneak this one out. We just pissed off a lot of Eagles fans right now. Oh, yeah. But, you know, you got to go with the your county teams, man. I'll never go against them uh, as long as they're playing a different opponent. I may give the edge to the other opponent, but I'm always rooting for the Pinal County teams. Uh, but let's move into another big matchup, which impacts uh, this region right here, which is going to be Canyon del Oro uh, taking on Vista Grande. Canyon del Oro is six and one, while Vista Grande is five and two, and as we know, is on that five-game winning streak. But you have the number two team in 4A taking on the number 21 team in 4A. This was going to be the biggest test for Vista Grande in determining if that if that five-game win streak wasn't a fluke. Where is your edge going to lie? My edge is going to lie with the Vista Grande Spartans. The way that they played last Friday and the uplifting speech that they were given after the game, I, I don't feel like they're not motivated to go out and win this. They've already succeeded in putting Vista Grande on the map. Now, their only thing they need to do is defend their home turf, send the Dorados back to Tucson with an L, and then they can talk about this team being the best team in Casa Grande. Now, I know that that's going to you know, ruffle a lot of feathers, but based off of the way this year's going, and I'm not talking about strength of schedule, I'm just talking based solely off of wins and losses. Right now, Vista Grande is changing a lot of minds of people who were doubting them in the beginning of the year, and I feel like their style of play is a big reason why. Well, I think that even though they're on this five-game winning streak and they're surprising a lot of people, not only in the community, but in the state as well. There's a reason that Canyon Oro is the number two team in 4A. We've seen them play last year against Casa Grande. I think Casa Grande was still too much for them at that moment, but I do know that CDO has brought back a lot of players, and they're hungry. You know, They felt that they could have went further in the playoffs and unfortunately didn't. And being that since that Florence game, I don't know what you would call Vista Grande's true test so far this year in the teams that they played. With that being said, I'm going to give the edge to Canyon de Oro based on the experience that they have coming back from last year. Do I hope that Vista Grande will pull out the victory? Absolutely. But just being that I'm keeping it as honest as possible, I do feel that the experience for uh, the Dorados 
is going to be the difference in this game. Now, nearing the end of our list, let's talk about the undefeated Marcos Deniza Padres as they come and visit the post Butte Broncos, who are currently 5-2. and two. This is a really big game, has really large implications on who may be the region champion. And do you see post Butte coming away from this victorious or possibly maybe having to deal with a tough loss at home? I'll have two things as to why I think Post and Butte's going to pick up a victory. I know that we're going to get messages from uh, our followers out there at Marcos Deniza, but I think that their run game is going to be the difference, of course, and that defense. There's something about that defense on Post and Butte. You know, I know that they dropped a game, a couple games early on in the year, but right now I think that their defense is what is the difference from them compared to the other top five teams in a 4A is if their defense uh, is up to the task in shutting down a good team, then they can shut down anybody. They've already done it a couple weeks ago against Apache Junction. Uh, you know, uh, when they did lose, uh, they saw their run game go silent. And so I think if those two things are clicking for Post and Butte, they are going to knock off Marcos Deniza and solidify themselves as one of the top three teams in 4A. Would you agree? No, I'm totally behind that. I have Post and Butte winning this one. All right. Well, let's dive into our game of the week. Uh, like I said, this was one of the toughest choices all week. As you've already heard all of the games that we've had uh, so far uh, this week, and they could have all easily had their reasons to be our game of the week. But this game right here has a lot riding on it, not just bragging rights, you know, in the county, uh, you know, but it's a 3A central matchup, uh, which is also known as the Gila River Bowl uh, between two schools in the same school district. And we're talking about the Santa Foothill Sabercats traveling down the road to uh, Florence to take on the Gophers. You have uh, Santa Foothills at six and three and number 12 in the 3A and the Gophers uh, sitting at eight and one and number nine. I know usually I ask who you would have uh, for the edge, but just to make things fun, we both agreed that we're not going to pick a team we feel has the edge or will pick up the victory. Would you like to elaborate why? I feel it's mainly because we have two teams that we are very excited to watch. We are very happy with their success this far in, in the season. And I, I feel like we don't want any other team to feel like we're vouching for one more than the other for any specific reason. In the interest of fairness, we're going to allow the Gila River Bowl to play itself out. And whoever wins, wins. And we hope to talk to both sides. The most toughest part about this matchup is there has to be a loser. And the thing is, is if Santan loses or if Florence loses, there's players on both sides that we want to talk to. But how do you approach a player that's just lost a game, especially that, that last game of the season, and try to carry a conversation? Now, this was something that we did last year when we uh, attended the Coolidge and Santa Cruz game because it, it was a game where, you know, on both sides we had players we, we were very invested in and, and we, we followed them all year. So it, it was tough to go to the, the Santa Cruz side and, and to see those sad faces and, and to try to have, you know, good, confident conversation with them. Now, will we be doing that this Friday? I mean, I know we're going to go pay our respects to both teams, you know, regardless of the outcome. But the difference is both teams might possibly be playing next week, regardless of the outcome. 
And that's the only thing I can say is exciting is that no matter what this result is, it's only going to help a team's rankings, you know, uh, moving them up a couple of spots. Uh, I would say Santan Foothills needs it more. You know, they're sitting at 12. I'm sure they would love to move up a couple of spots uh, while Florence is sitting at nine. And I know uh, they're not going to want to take a loss or, you know, don't expect to take a loss, but they have a little bit more wiggle room. I'll just say it like that. But either way, I I don't think that what happened last year in seeing um, Santa Cruz season practically end on that loss. You know, we knew after that point there was not really a big chance of them making the playoffs where when you come in to look at this Gila River Bowl, both teams are right there to make the playoffs and be able to play next week. So there's not a lot of time to be excited. There's not a lot of time to be sad, uh, you know, no matter who picks up the victory, because you're going to have to turn around and get prepared to go and do the real deal. And that's uh, make a playoff push and try to pick up a 3A state title. So where it, every minute matters. Yeah, exactly. And so, like I said, I don't think you're going to see too many sad faces because, yeah, they may not have the bragging rights, but they're going to have to turn around and play a playoff game the next week. Uh, but I know one thing we did forget to do. Uh, usually we do it uh, after our recap uh, of the week, uh, but we got to give out some uh, player of the week awards. We have three uh, great athletes who who put on a show uh, this past Friday. Uh, we'll start with our special teams uh, player of the week. That's going to go to uh, Brendan Hatch of the Combs Coyotes. Uh, he had one uh, return for 80 yards and a touchdown on that return, and I think he kind of ran away with that one this week. Uh, so uh, congratulations to uh, Brendan, and I hope to see uh, more from him uh, this coming week against uh, Seton Catholic. Congratulations, Brendan. You really deserve it. Now let's talk about our defensive player of the week. That honor goes to Ja'Kai Robertson of the Post and Butte Broncos. He had two tackles, two interceptions, and 48 interception yards. Those two interceptions are a big factor in what kept Post and Butte on the winning side. So congratulations, Ja'Kai. You deserve it. I don't know if you remember. Is that our first multi-interception game? Or didn't we have uh, one other player uh, have that many interceptions? I believe so. This is the second time. The second one. So, you know, it doesn't happen very often. So definitely uh, deserving for Ja'Kai to pick up that award. Uh, but let's move into our offense uh, breakout player of the week. And it's going to go to a guy that we've put a lot of pressure on for multiple weeks. You know, uh, we said that his team is a run heavy team, so he doesn't get very many opportunities to shine out there on the field just because of that rushing attack and it being so successful. But uh, we want to give the offense a breakout player award to Dalton Norman of the Santan Foothill Sabercats as he went five for six with 180 yards and three touchdowns and had a quarterback rating of 163.2. Just a little bit of contributions that he had in this game was very impactful in the results of uh, the Sabercats uh, victory this past Friday. Yeah, this was something that was a little bit unexpected. We we don't necessarily go into every week anticipating Dalton having a lights-out game. And when you look at the numbers, they're a little bit low, but it's not about the amount of attempts. It's the completion rate and how effective he was in this game and how his ability to open up that pass game alleviated some of the stress on the run game. And I believe he's our first freshman this year to pick up a breakout award uh, 
Am I right or am I wrong about that one? No, you're 100% right on that. Well, you know, uh, congratulations, Dalton. Definitely well-deserved. And uh, congratulations to all of our winners this week. I know uh, come Thursday and Friday night, uh, there's going to be some players putting on a show. I can't wait to uh, see the results and uh, which players are going to shine under those lights, uh, whether it's Thursday or Friday. But uh, best of luck to uh, all of our teams uh, this Friday. And uh, before we uh, close up the show, I know you had one major uh, announcement. So I'm going to let you have the floor for that one. Okay, we've been talking about it for weeks. Now, I don't know about how the weather was where you were yesterday morning when you woke up. But when I walked out and it was 50 degrees outside, I knew I needed a sweater. And one thing is for sure, we got you covered. Now, this is a very, very limited supply. So if you're listening now... You have a very short amount of time to DM us to see if we have your size so that way you can get the very first run of the Varsity Breakdown hoodies. Now, there's multiple designs. Not everybody will have the same uh, design per se because there's a few different options, but these are really awesome. And if you go out to the game of the week, you're definitely going to see us rocking these. And we might have a few on hand. So if if you want one, just hit us up. I I know that when you guys see these, these are going to go really quick. Uh, let everybody know uh, the prices and uh, what sizes we have. I know that uh, we quickly ran out of uh, extra large, but what do we have available still? We have a couple extra small, a small, medium, large, 2X, and even 3X. So even if uh, one of you linemen out there want a sweater and represent some varsity breakdown, hit us up. The prices on them are going to be 40 bucks. It's going to be a great fit, I promise you. This is something in our apparel line that I'm very proud of. And before we leave, I want to mention one more thing. Last Friday, we had the pleasure of being out in Tucson, and we actually had a great post-game dinner with Chris Kidney and Rodney Cox. It was the first time for me personally getting to meet him, and he brought some guests with him from Sunnyside High School. Shout out Sunnyside. And it was a great experience. I I can't thank that group of people enough for allowing us to be in that area and and feeling like home, because that's one thing that I'm loving about this year is the amount of connections that we're building and the the craziness of how small this world is because there were a couple of people at that table that knew our families yep. and, and and it's just a great feeling to see the reach and the connections that we have built this far oh i would definitely agree and you know if you're uh if you don't have a game to watch this weekend or you can't make it out to uh one of our Pinal County games, go take a ride out to Tucson, man. There there's some great teams out there that you know, go put it all on the line uh week in and week out and I know uh Chris uh out there, he loves traveling to all the different schools and being able to see what uh Tucson's all about because as we know, a lot of the shine gets uh uh, gets put out there in uh, the metro area in Phoenix. But, you know, there's still some uh, great, as you can see, there's still some great matchups here in Pinal County. And I know that there's some great matchups down in uh, Tucson as well. But other than that, brother, I'll see you uh, Friday night. Uh, you know, looking forward to uh, a great game. And we'll see uh, what the Sabercats and Gophers uh, do this Friday night in that Gila River Bowl. And uh, if there's any uh, Gophers or Sabercats listening, let us know how we could get one of those shirts because we'll definitely uh, purchase one. And, you know, um, well, and- well, I asked Jalen Fulton online. Shout out to Jalen because I had said, you know, when he had showed me them, I was like, yo, save two of them. I don't care which which one they are, if they're, they're the, the white ones or the black ones, but we definitely need to both of them extra large, please. Well, other than that, brother, you got any last words? 
Bear down, Rodney Cox. Take it easy.